All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a ruckus. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. DJ Nubis and DJ Neko here with you on the Metal Town Radio Podcast, new episode of Boards of Chaos. So what were you saying, Big O and Duke's way? They were talking about Army of Darkness. That was one of their quotes. And I was like, I know this one. I know that too. I know pretty much all of them. <laughs> Get to hear it every time we do this fucking show. So uh, yeah, we're back. New episode. Got a lot of new music to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, DJ Neko's pick of the week will be an interesting one to see the the less about that. Why? It's the best. It's the best, man. You always say that. Uh, you know, some of my picks are just because they I, rock. I they rock, and I like to dance, and you know, this this is kind of like how it's been the last couple of weeks. I know I got, you know, introspective a couple of weeks ago and things like, oh, this reminds me of my childhood or, oh, I saw this at my very first concert. No, sometimes music can just be music to make you happy. And that's okay. Yep, that's what it's there for. I uh, got some cool topics to get to. Um, a lot of different stuff in there. We'll get to some, uh, a couple of reviews, a documentary and also a movie we recently watched. Uh, a couple movies in the works, uh, rumor mills, and some other stuff regarding music. In fact, one thing we'll get to here early is the passing of late great death cynic drummer Sean Reinhardt. Uh, big loss for the metal community outside of uh, Neil Peart, who passed away a couple weeks before that. So two legendary drummers gone just like that. It sucks. And we were talking about it the other day how, like, we see a lot of our idols just passing by before our eyes. I mean, just so many... People who've shaped music, especially death... Like, you talk about death metal. I actually was just talking about this with one of my co-workers before I left. Um, 
saying how I, I planned on going to the Maryland Death Fest in May, and they just went online and Googled it, and they're like, whoa, I don't know any of these bands. I was like, it's death metal. But it is, it's, for us as metalheads, when you see the split, you know, you've got the heavy metal, and then you split some more, and then you've got the death metal, and the you've got the black metal. For us, when you have somebody who came you know, 30 years ago, pioneering, you know, the death metal sound, it was, what, early 80s that they, uh, they formed Cynic. Well, well, no, no, well, yeah, they did have a... Before they came, before they got with death, they, they formed Cynic, uh, he right. and, and but Paul that was like a, that was a whole different version of the band back but then. But you have to think, that's what they did back then, early 80s, and, you know... It's you're coming off of classic rock. You're coming off of disco. You're going into the hair rock and hair metal. So to have some people start veering down a, another path that different than what mainstream is, that kind of kickstarts, you know, what went into his work with Death. Then that you know kept building and building and well, that's building. that's the thing with Chuck, you know, following uh, spiritual healing, you know, when he went to do Human in 91, when he recruited both uh, Reiner and Masvidal, um, those guys alone brought, like, a whole other dimension to the death sound, like the actual band death, their sound. Chuck, you know, was progressing very rapidly at that point musically, so... Reiner and Maswell both play a huge part of that. You know, when we went to see um, Death to Us All, the Death uh, tribute band, uh, Paul was there for that. Uh, Sean wasn't on that one. That was Gene at the Gene, time. Gene, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, they did Human, which was like their, really their big breakthrough album as far as progressing beyond what they were doing beforehand. And then a couple of years later, they take Cynic into like a whole other direction um, still had some of the rough vocals in there not like the demos though but then it was more progress uh, progressive metal at that point but that's where we're getting to with how you know music was I don't want to say cut and dry but as you see it progressing through the 20th century I'm talking all the way back to like the jazz age and and the, you see how it's progressing and for a long time it was all just very boilerplate you had these particular songs and this is like the formula for music and as you start hitting like the 50s people are getting a little crazy oh my god look at elvis he's just insane and then you're hitting the 60s where you've got bands this was kind of like the foundation to start what we're seeing now in this, I mean, death metal has not, it's, I almost want to say it's getting close to being mainstream. When you say death metal, people aren't so confused. I mean, the same coworker I, I spoke with today was talking about that movie about Varg mm -hmm. and, uh, um, uh, mayhem. And he, he's going, Oh yeah, you, if you got to see this movie, I said, yes, yes, I know I've seen it. And <laughs> We were talking to our, we're talking to my <laughs> other coworker, and I'm like, yeah, Varg killed his friend because over like just crazy stuff. It's Norway and black metal, and you have to be the most cult. And my other coworker said, 
well, then I have to see this. This sounds... I said, if you want some real entertainment, go on YouTube and look up Varg Virknes and, and watch his YouTube videos because he is way out there. Yeah. So what I'm saying, you know, to sum it up, the passing of Sean was like, you know, now our pioneers in our favorite, one of my favorite genres, you know, he was gone too soon. He was, what, 46? He wasn't... 48 or something Yeah, he wasn't much older than me. And, you know, about the same age as you. It's kind of scary, you know. You never know when you're going to go. But to see someone who's so young and was so influential on this genre, it kind of makes you sad. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, later on they did reform Cynic and they were playing, like, an even more different version than the previous. And he was involved in a lot of other projects. Gora we played last week, although he wasn't on that new album. He played on their debut. And uh, just, I think he was part of It just shows how, how innovative and, and basically... Trans, I don't want to say transfixing, but he he can transcending. Uh, yeah, transcending. He can he can work with lots of different people and lots of different styles, and it's amazing. All right, and we're gonna pay tribute to Mr. Reinert right now. Going back to that human record, um, I could have chose just about anything from it, but uh, I chose to go with the instrumental "Cosmic Sea" because I just really love it. And, showcases just everything of the band at that time so here it is death cosmic sea for you sean peace out
Victorify from Victoria, BC. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Stay thrashing. Right. Back with you, DJ Nobles and DJ Neko. Metal yes. Time Radio Podcast. The podcast version for your pocket. <laughs> what? <laughs> for your pocket. It's the smaller version than the radio. It's it's pocket size. It's true. Okay, so uh, a few years ago, there was a gentleman by the name of Jared Threaten who had uh, come out. Jared Eames and his... his uh, like stage name was threatened, threatened. Right. create his persona and his band uh i mean he went through great lengths to pull a fast one on the music community metal in particular and create a fake label fake uh, fake, fake promotions fake label fake uh fans he he actually took himself made fake footage of you know having fans at a show he created his own label everything was it looked legitimate and he put all this work into yeah it's really funny because he spent about 10 grand doing all this and you have to sit there and wonder okay you're willing to spend 10 grand to create all this fakeness but then not 10 but he he actually had a band and what he was trying to do was get attention. And he admitted that. He said, I'm trying to get attention. And everyone fell for the ruse. You know, when nothing sold out, it was a European tour. And when it's just he and his bandmates and his wife at the and no one bought tickets, they were really confused. And eventually people started digging into his, his past and digging into his posts and looking at his fans and realizing most of these people are from different countries and they're not really fans. That's when everything, all the pieces started falling together. So it's just interesting to see what he went through because a lot of times in order to book something, you have to show you have a following. You have to be like, look, I can get you a hundred people i can get you 200 people into your club you can't just go as a no name and and beg please play me so what he did was he personified a medium-sized following in order to get a european tour and Drake it worked in the world <laughs> <laughs> and it worked he got people to believe him and i mean it's been a couple well it worked to a degree that he was able to get venues to book him which normally they wouldn't have because if they had known that he wasn't going to even fill up their venue with people he promised, they probably wouldn't have booked him. So here, this is the problematic part of it is that on the surface you say, oh, well, that's pretty ingenious. You know, he creates all this to try to get attention to try to stand above the crowd. But the, the issue is, is that how it affected everyone else around him like and it doesn't really sound like he's too apologetic about it because no he said i turned an empty room into an international headline if you're reading this you are part of the illusion that is true i mean well we're part of the illusion in the sense that we find the story interesting i wouldn't say we're part of the illusion in the sense that we accept it no we didn't accept him but we you know people bought it and he 
was struggling for attention and to get noticed. And I mean, there have been other crazy, you know, stunts that bands have done in the past. Now, granted, they were already known, but it's just kind of crazy to see what somebody who is hungry and got a little creative would do. Now, a lot of people would argue, and I agree with what a lot of people would argue with, is you need to put in the time, you need to put in the hard work, you need to do the little well, according to him, Well, according to him, is he played with his brother in another black metal band prior to this, and he said, you know, we used to do all that local gigs and playing, but it was just getting us nowhere. I'm like, well, there's a couple problems here. One is you're not just battling the scene itself. Metal is not something you're going to find a lot of money with unless you're like a mainstream act like Avenged Sevenfold or whatever. Two, uh, I was going to figure out I lost my train of thought there, but choo-choo. The thing is, though, is that he ended up like the, I guess the part that rose me the wrong way is like not only did he stiff a lot of these, these bars and venues that he promised to bring all this people in to get money because they rely on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So now you have that, but then you know I read and like some of the supporting acts that actually played with him said that he was very unfriendly, wouldn't even look him in the eye, uh, wouldn't even check out their own band. So it's just a very, very selfish move on the part of this gentleman and I cannot respect it in any way. Like even if I said, well, you know, it's pretty ingenious how he did it. The only thing he's really a genius of is taking advantage of people. And with the internet the way it is, and like, you know, sure, the venues that booked them probably should have did better homework on this stuff and probably saved themselves a lot of headache. But on the surface, you know, you're, you're talking and corresponding with people or with him online as somebody else. And they're making it look all legit. And you're thinking, okay, well, yeah, you know, I haven't heard him, but... If he says he's got this and he's got the credentials and I see the paperwork and, and you see the fans and you see all the right. footage that they're putting up, you're you're gonna start believing them. I mean, we know people who who have production companies and book bands and it's not an easy thing to do and when you are trying to, you know, fill an evening and you have a band that says, I, I can guarantee you that I'll I'll fill your your hundred person minimum and then your wife shows up it's like well i mean we have friends that are in local bands and like we see them like john he's been at it for over a decade with his bands random stuff now he's, he's been o- more than over a decade he's been doing it since Almost before I, yeah, yeah before i met you so i mean the thing is like sure he would love to be like on some festival headlining stage like anyone else well he is gonna be at the maryland death fest right so but But that took the culmination of 20 years of experience you you put the fucking hard work in that's what happens finally he's in a a band that works as far as like getting the attention they need also the talent is there and everything else so he's put in all the hard work so now it's paying off and that's the thing. This guy is trying to take shortcuts to get to where he wants to be, and it's not how it works. I mean, in in, in the day and age, this is going to sound like I'm an old person, but I am. People see YouTube and see YouTube celebrities, and they see people like 
Justin Bieber, who was basically discovered on YouTube for, you know, his, his talent, his singing, his piano playing. And then he, he's, he's blown up into this huge star. And then he was on, I remember seeing it on American Idol for like a hot second playing and boom. That's the outlier. That is not the norm, you That's know. That's mainstream pop. But I mean, I'm just saying like in general with music, that is the outlier. There are people in mainstream pop or metal or rock or whatever who have to put in this type of work to get noticed, to grow a fan base, to make, you have to, you know, with our friends who are in bands, that's what they do. They make friends with their fans. They, they develop and cultivate a following. It isn't just, oh, um, I'm just going to immediately become famous overnight. You look at, let's, let's think about like ghost. Remember how long it took them to go from ghosts to what they are now while they're like this huge theatrical ghost thing. It started off as something much smaller and nobody took them seriously. We didn't even take well, them you, seriously at well, first. You, you go even further than back with uh, Tobias and Repugnant. Mm -hmm. Like that that was his death grindcore band and like he realized he wasn't making anything or making any headway with that project, even though it was good. He wanted to be on the big stage, so he did everything necessary to get to that point. So they introduced classic rock with, like, satanic and paganish lyrics and image, and that's where they're at now. And they're doing crazy shit. So, like, he's done what it took to just build up that point. The first album, like, Crash was into it. I was not. You were not. The second album, I was into it all of a sudden. So did you. So it, it took time, but he built the fan base around and it. And they, they stayed with their fans. You know, they were always putting out videos and putting out, you know, different... We went to that, um, that small... I don't want to call it a concert, but that gathering at Soundgarden. At the, at Soundgarden. You know, that's not a lot of people. A sound garden's not that big of a place, but that wasn't a lot of people. That was less than a hundred people. But they did that. They started creating exclusive. Ex oh my God! Exclusivity. Yeah, thank you. Exclusivity and remember that. Remember that. I I don't usually screw up words. Nubis is the <laughs> word screwer upper, but. You start building anticipation and you start building your fans and, you know, they did it the way that you're supposed to. You know, this guy with his little hoax. Again, part of me is like, this is kind of brilliant. And the other part of me is like, well, this guy's kind of scummy. You know, it's... But he did what he wanted to, to do. He got noticed. Yeah, I mean... Whether he thinks the negative part of it is a, a pro for him, I have no idea. I have no idea where he is now with his career or anything. But, yeah, I just I read the article on him talking about how he pulled a fast one and thought it was the greatest thing ever. I just, that's just sleazy shit to me. But I do want to talk about our next block of music, which is going to kick off from a gentleman who, much like John Luckis and company, work his ass off. Uh, to get his music out there and constantly does it the right way. Now, he's not making a million dollars a record or anything like that, but he's passionate about his stuff. I'm talking about Nuno Lorenco from Portugal. 
Uh, he's constantly being innovative. He's constantly trying to layer things into his music, and he's staying true to himself, but also bringing in, you know, friends slash outsiders to help him collaborate on his music. Mm -hmm. And what this his next project, his most recent project, has kind of been hailed as the best thing that he's done. And that's kind of exciting when you think of yourself as a musician, like, I just keep getting better. It now, keeps of course, getting more for creative. Salqui, his uh, avant-garde experimental black metal project he's been doing the last four or so years is phenomenal. So, for me, he's always been very talented and very innovative and very good. Uh, most of the, he is the brainchild behind all the work. Like you said, he has people that come in collaborate with him. But it, the, the whole idea and the uh, the vision is all his. So. I do think that with the new project, Thermohaline, I believe it's pronounced, uh, has one other guy in it who probably has his own stuff, too. I don't know much about the other gentleman, but uh, they did collaborate for this new project. Um, still similar in theme uh, and still very innovative. Uh, I had a chance to check out their new EP, debut EP, and uh, it was pretty good. So you're going to get a chance to hear that. Got the song, Thy Skull Shall Be Mine, and we'll be back after this block.
Hi, this is Isaac Goldsmith. Jonathan West from Exhortation. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. DJ Noah's back with you, Meltdown Radio, the podcast. That was some new song from Wilderness. Wilderness. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I did the VV, and it looks like a W, so. Like the Vich. You're right. The movie? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is interesting because we'll get to a little bit later, but. Uh, we're going to go kind of uh, in a weird place as far as, like,. Uh, Entertainment. Um, Betty White recently. There's nothing had a job. weird about Betty White. She is a treasure. Well, I'm just saying it's not something we normally talk about. However, I do have a tie into that. But uh, you, you got a chance to see the documentary the other night. So, what'd you think? I've always been a fan of Betty White, honestly. And I, I'm not just talking about Golden Girls. I, when I was growing up in the '90s on the rerun channel, I would watch the Mary Tyler Moore Show obsessed with Mary Tyler Moore. I love her so much. And Mary Tyler Moore on her show, Betty White, was um, a character and I absolutely loved it. And I've always been a fan of Betty White and I've always, I'm really into old TV shows and stuff. What's that, um, what's that app that we have that's like a nostalgia I can't think of the name of it right now. It, it, it escapes me, but I love watching old TV. I'm talking about old TV. Yes, Mary Tyler Moore was from the 70s, which, if you know, for me, that's before I was born. But for some of you, it was like maybe before your parents were born. And talking about Pluto? It might be on Pluto. But I, you know, I've watched Betty White for years before. She got real cool in this last, like... 15 years and I've watched Betty White you know I've seen she used to have a talk show and I've seen some of her old talk shows from the 50s I I don't even know how it started I I love these nostalgia see that a lot of that's really new to me but what was interesting was uh you talk about how popular she got in the last 15 years the the way the agent and some of the other people that she worked talked about like Early 2000 or so, 2003, she did that Snickers commercial. Which... Was, that was actually 2010 for the uh, Super Bowl. Was it that? Yeah, it was. I thought it was earlier than mm-hmm. that. She started doing movies. like. Well, anyway, my point was is that they kind of said that she had a tipping point in 2003 with something. And where she just, oh, it was the roast for mm-hmm. William Shatner. She did the roast of William Shatner. And, uh... But for me, like, I'm sitting there saying to myself, like, for me, I, I really noticed her in 1998 for the movie The Lake Placid. Yes. Because her scenes in that are just phenomenal. And then that on top of what was going on with Oliver Platt and uh, I think it's Paul Gleason is the other guy, the sheriff. But either way, the banter between them two and, of course, Betty White's banter that she does with the police and everything else is just remarkable and that's like that was when I really first noticed her outside of Golden Girls. I mean she has been active since nineteen thirty nine. I know active. Every decade she's had something going on. Like And they say she's had like hit after hit when it comes to like T V series. It's like it's insane. Well remember in the documentary, I mean she is if anybody is a person who, you know, I know 
I don't I don't know how to phrase this. She is if she is your friend, she will be the best advo advocate for you forever. When she was doing her television, daytime television show, remember she had um, that black tap dancer. Like, or something. Yeah, I can't remember his name. That's terrible. But they forced her or tried to force her to remove, remove him. him. And she said, no. She she pushed back back in the fifties, you know, when it was not a good idea to have a black man on a white woman's talk show. She said, "No, I'm sorry. He's part of my crew. I love him. I just want everything in general. Like when you talk about everything that's going on now with Hollywood, like the Me Too movement, and you know, women, more women directors being noticed. She's first woman producer, right? Like I didn't even know all that. Like she was already breaking barriers long she, before everything. And she else. didn't even. She said she didn't even realize that she was breaking any barriers because she's right. like, this was the job I was given, so I am going to be a producer. You tell me, I'm producing a show. I'm producing a show, and that's what I love about her. Yeah, she was like really whip smart intelligent and... and she still is and she loves to be on point she loves to you know keep that that banter going when she's doing a scene um back to you know she was very very good friends with liberace and you know she's very strongly for gay rights before now i mean now everybody like yes you know, gay, lesbian, transgender rights, but she, I'm talking like back in the 70s when it's still kind of like, oh, some... But she's some, not an activist. She's an advocate. Advocate. That's what Just she like said. Just like her animals, like, which I really love that she's a big animal lover, so... She, she, she basically said, you know, you, that's her friend. And again, yes, to the animals. She... What did, what did she say? She does her acting job to so she, can, so she yep. can support her animals. Yeah. She gives so much money to animal charities, which is something dear to us because that would be us, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we try what we can, but she has a better... She has a bigger purse yeah. than we do. And I just... Watching this, it's very short. It's on Netflix. It's only like an hour long. I and think. it's heartwarming and charming, funny, and you get to see, like... This is a woman who has been working her entire life, but she doesn't feel like she's been working her entire life. She's been breaking boundaries her entire life, but she's not out there standing on the corner going, look at me, look at me, I'm I'm breaking the glass ceiling. Yeah, like she, A lot of the actors and actresses like Ryan Reynolds or Jennifer Love Hewitt, they were honored to work with her. Like It was them that really said, oh... I get to work with her. Great. Yeah, I'm thank you. That. Thank you for working with me, Betty White. Like, right. <laughs> and there, and these are big actors and actresses who are are just unbelievably just enamored with, and I would be too. But one thing that I took away from that um, documentary was everybody feels comfortable and everybody loves Betty White because she has been a television star for so long. So she, you know, when she had her, she, the game shows, she used mm -hmm. to guest star on game shows all the time. So she'd be on game shows. She had her own television show. She was on Golden Girls. She was on the Mary yeah, Tyler Moore show. Her husband on Password. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, she was, I mean, hot and cleave. Like, she's been on all these TV shows, so you see her in your house on your small screen all the time. And she was kind of saying, like, people start feeling comfortable with me because they see me in their house. So when people come up to her, and she, she's appreciative of it. People come up to her and they look at her like a sister or a, an aunt or a grandmother or a friend because she's so available. I mean, you can stream the Golden Girls. You can stream Mary Tyler Moore. You can watch anything. Betty White is right there in your, in your home. And just she is just a heartwarming woman. And I love the documentary. Yep, yeah, uh, definitely check it out when you get a chance on Netflix. Um, one quick thing we want to kind of get to: uh, apparently, in the works is a Lethal Weapon five. Now, I'm I'm always on board for another action movie. I don't even care if it's bad. Well, I, I do, but I, out of the first four, I think three was maybe the weakest. But I really didn't expect him to come back to it. But apparently, they're bringing back Danny Glover and Mel Gibson, so it'll maybe be a lot Mel of Gibson fun. is now too old for this shit. <laughs> I'm know. too old for this shit. Originally, he was slated for uh, Fury Road before uh, Hardy took over, but um, apparently, he had some disagreements with Miller about where, what the idea behind the plot was. So. What he was just in that movie about a year ago that we saw um, with Will Ferrell and um, Marky Mark and John Cena. Oh crap! What was the name of it? He was Daddy the something. yeah yeah Daddy's Home Two Daddy's Home Two, and he was the father of John Cena, right? Oh my God, it was really good. Or was he a father of uh, Marky Mark? I can't remember. Crap! Robert. But he he actually made a comment about Will Ferrell and Marky Mark because Will Ferrell is you know a comedian, and Marky Mark's getting better at being a comedian, and he said those two. Marky Mark and I, I, are we supposed to call, call him Marky Mark anymore? No, I'm just he's, laughing he's at like you the doing bunch. It's Mark, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. So Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell were riffing and just coming up with things off the cuff. And Mel Gibson, he's sticking to the script, and he's like, I couldn't keep up with those two because they would just come up with things out of the blue, and it would work. And I, he said, I almost felt like I was getting kind of pushed to the side because they would just start, like, riffing off of each other and improvising, and it was a little frustrating because he, you know, they gave him a script, and everybody clearly has the script, but sometimes the funniest things happen off the script when you're just kind of goofing off. So I'm hoping that, because Lethal Weapon, even though it is serious and action-packed, it's also funny. Uh, I mean, it's very funny. Like Chris Rock and Joe Pesci in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, plus, like, it was really kind of groundbreaking in some ways when Lethal Weapon 4 came out. You had, uh, which for me was the first time I got to see Jet Li, and, uh, he was freaking amazing doing that whole disabling the gun thing. Mm -hmm. So, apparently to the director, um, I think his name's Dan Lin or something like that. He wants to Are you make... pronouncing it wrong? No, it's just Lin. Yeah. Yeah, Dan Lin. So, you know, he wants to make what is called, he figures, the final lethal weapon. Now, here it is, though. Well, I think the last one came in 98, so we're looking close to 20 years. So, I... It, it, apparently Glover and Gibson are on board, which is good. Um, 
I hope they do a good job with it. I'm not sure why it took so long to get to this point, but either way, if they can continue to make good quality lethal weapons, I'm all in. Alright, next block of music. Got you a thrashy stuff coming at you, and I'm going to kick it off with some brand new Annihilator. So wait a minute, before we go, Annihilator. What is the song I love by them? It's not very new. Um, Alice in Hell. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> good, good that we had that talk. <laughs> nice talk. <laughs> nice talk, baby. Here's new stuff. Psycho Ward.
Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. DJ Nickel's here with you, Metal Town Radio, getting ready to jump into our rock block with DJ Nickel's Pick of the Week coming up a little bit later. Right now, kicking off some new Genesis. Missy uh, was talking about this in the car the other day. She really enjoyed this band from their last previous stuff, so this is new stuff. I can't breathe, which is about what's going on right now. <laughs>
in the fast lane? Do you have the need for speed? Well, if you're a racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champ and flat card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line in Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Dillsburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
right, Van Halen, Running with the Devil. Running with the Devil. DJ Newis and DJ Neko back with the Mel Time Radio Podcast. In the middle of our rock block here, getting ready to go to DJ Neko's Pick of the Week. This is DJ Neko's Pick of the Week. Now, as I stated earlier, not all of my picks of the week have deep, deep meaning. Some of them have a bigger meaning, but this is a fun song, a happy song. But if you are a fan of Supernatural, as I am, kind of goes back to my Kansas pick, but anyway. Yeah, Supernatural plays a lot of I know. (laughs) I love Supernatural. And the sad thing is, is we are like seven seasons behind because... We, we were late adapters to Supernatural, and we've been watching it, but we try to watch it together, so... Well, there was a point where I was watching it without you. I got through, like, six seasons. You <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> but then she had to play catch-up, so I had to go back and watch some of the stuff. He's but... cheating on me with Supernatural. That mm-hmm. bastard. But Supernatural is, like, one of my favorite shows ever. I It, it has everything I love. Werewolves. No, it doesn't. Because she, she, she pretends she likes it. It has show. everything There's I love. There's only two things she likes about that show. Jensen Eccles and Jared Padalecki. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> Any girl that tells you they're into the show, I'm into the show. They're into the two gentlemen. I like, I like Supernatural things. Yeah. Whenever I get to the Lord of the Rings, ah! Lord of the Rings is fantasy. It is not supernatural. It's close enough. No, it's not. Yes, it's it different. is. Dragons <laughs> and bullshit, except for Orlando Bloom. So when he, anyway. I'm not a lizard. I'm a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I like about Lord of the Rings is Orlando Bloom. Yeah, naked. That's it. And his. Because she knows he has like a huge piece. slong. His cod piece. Cod piece. <laughs> anyway, this song. If you've ever watched Rocky. That's pretty much where I got it. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever had, if you need to get hyped up for anything, you crank this song up. Yeah, it was like, you know, Rocky did it, but then like, when Supernatural did it, just as like a spoof, Mm -hmm. like, it was the greatest fucking thing Yeah, he was was just singing it. It was in the credits, right? Mm -hmm. It was like a behind the scenes thing. Yeah, he was just joking around, and I'm like... Oh, I love you, Jensen. You're my man. He's my man. So anyway, what we have coming up next is Survivor. Eye of the Tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. Here we go before she starts going I'm going to sing, just FYI. Yeah, I'll spare you that. I'm going to give you the song right here. (laughs) (laughs) Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, 
6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Ladies and gentlemen, for your jump, let's welcome DJ Neko's Pick of the Week.
anime from Darken and you are listening to the Horse of Chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, DJ Nibbis and DJ Neko. Back with you on Metal Time Radio Podcast, new edition of the Hordes of Chaos. Do you remember a new edition? Very great. It was an R and B group. I'm sorry. Yeah. See why 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 I love do you ever dream of See I I Neko is like not really part of the show anymore. She's being fired afterwards. (laughs) I just have a a bigger I don't know. That's not true. I like a lot of different stuff, but this... You don't like as much as I do. No, I don't. You definitely don't. You like a lot of crazy shit that I can't get into. It's like... But you know what, you and I... You and I both kind of agree we're not into country. I like more... Although Dolly Parton's country. But I was getting ready to say that. I like older country, mainly because it reminds me of my grandparents and, and them listening to it, like Dolly Parton and Willie Nelson and things like that. And I think older country has a kind of charm to it, whereas newer country, they're trying to be pop music, yet they're still trying to be country. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're they're trying to teeter on that line between country and pop music. You know who's not trying to be country? Absu. No. Absu is, even though they're from Texas, which is country, <laughs> way country, it is... It's not as country as Nashville, though. No, but I mean, I have friends who are from Texas, and it is very, very, like, country. They're very into... Country. They're very into football, the flag, America, their their guns. America. 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 So, you think of Absu, you don't think that they're from Texas. You think they're from, you know, the hollows of... The bowels of the universe because they've put up this amazing front. They have stayed in character for 150 years. They, the first time I saw them, I'm not a black metal person. I, I, you I, are to a degree, it just depends I, on a band. Like, you always I surprise like me with like Immortal, this, right? And I like Absu, and like I think Demi that's Bordier. it. I like, but Demu, they got symphonic. I remember. What what album was it I was listening to of of Demu and I'm like this is their worst album. And you're like no, this is their best. Oh, al- that's in Throne Dark. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, this yeah, is their worst like, album. What the fuck is it? I'm I like, said, oh my are you goodness. serious right now? Really? I said this is the worst Demu album I've ever heard. Oh my god! And he's like, um, you're no, insane. you're insane. <laughs> I'm sorry, Neko, but. That's kind of how I am with death metal, or excuse me, black metal. Um, but with Absu and Immortal, that's all they are. There's, there's and no. See, that's the thing. Like when Absu took the stage for the first time, when we saw him in MDF. No, no, no. This was at Jax. No, no, no. We saw him at there at MDF. I thought first. we saw them at Jax first. No, that was second. That's when we saw um, the band from California, the black metal band I had been talking to at the same time. But uh, you were like. The minute the drummer prescriptor started talking and doing this intro, you're like, This song is about this. Satan eating your asshole for breakfast. 
<laughs> I loved it. I love them so much. I really did. I don't know why, because it's very black metal, and I'm not very... I think it's all about the presentation. Just, just like with Immortal. It's about the presentation. But the reason why we're going on as Ram is that Proscriptor has recently come out and said that Absu is being dissolved and no more. So, And it's a sad day for me because I really liked Absu a lot. And the funny thing is I've never really been a huge Absu fan. I, I, I pop on Absu and I'm like, the day is good. Thank you for some Absu. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess... Uh, there's rumors that because one of the guitarists, former guitarists, Melissa Moore, mm. initially uh, named Viscrom as a transgender, so there was a lot of heat uh, from the removal of uh, her from that. So maybe that's part of it. Uh, I know they take a lot of time between albums to write the material, so maybe that's another part of it. It's just not happening on that level the last album i had i think is almost 10 years ago i think so who knows exactly the real reasons why he's calling it quits but he said there is no more no more coming back it's done that's it that's all she wrote and it kind of sucks because this is gonna sound so nerdy but absu is only a three piece and their sound is like having an entire stage filled with musicians if you if you think about it what they do with the three of them it's almost like zz top zz top is only three people and it's insane so you have absu out there just commanding the stage prescriptor is just he's behind the drums and mind you he sings he drums this isn't Phil Collins in freaking Genesis. This is Prescriptor, double bass, screaming, giving the growls. And he keeps up his personality. It's not like he's like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, we're going to take a brief intermission. No, he's like, tonight we dine on the bowels of all the virgins. Like, he keeps everything up, and I love that. I love, which is probably why I love King Diamond so much, but I, I love... The theatrics. Yeah, the theatrics of everything. You bring it. Keep it, keep it, keep it coming, keep it coming. Yes, give me, tell me. You want, you want me to, like, you know, choke myself? I'm good with that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> choke myself. Choke myself. I will die tonight for you, prescriptor. I loved watching him because they would play their song and it would be ah, double bass, wonderful. I remember that Jack show too. It wasn't very busy that night. No, either. it was like four of us. Yeah. And I'm like right in front and I'm like, dude, check this guy out. And he's behind the drums and he's like, yes, the next song, everybody dies. I'm like, sweet, everybody dies. That's great. It's just me, but that's good. Well, anyway, got some new material in the next block, as usual. Uh, brand new Vesperian Sorrow. Actually, this has come from 2019. I just caught up with this record. I didn't realize, well, they released it in December, so it's been a little while since they had a record, but I was pretty happy. Overall, the record didn't blow me away like some of their it's past It's like the releases. anticipation, you know. But I uh, found some good tracks on it. Kawir, new stuff from them, as well as Extirpation, so... 
Here you go, brand new Vesper and Sorrow.
Fresh Metal Band Poker Face from Russia and you are listening to Metal Tavern Radio. We checked it out last night. Crazy fucking movie. It was really... Okay, so... You hear about an awesome cinematic movie. And you say, okay. I'm gonna watch this awesome... Okay. Okay! I'm good with that. An awesome cinematic movie. And then I watch it, and I'm like, what did I watch? Really? It was not bad. So don't, don't take this as it's bad. No, it was beautifully shot. Uh, great acting by both Pattinson and uh, Defoe. Yeah, starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Defoe. The craziest thing, though, is Willem Defoe is not. He he does not shy away from things like this. What was that movie that we watched that I I, I said this reminded me of? Final Christ. Yes. Mm. So it's a psychological thriller. And it's two gentlemen who are lighthouse attendants, and they're marooned on a lighthouse island for four weeks. And I get it. When you're kind of isolated for a long time, you do go crazy. I, I'm i in that same boat because I work on a boat, and we get like that. It, boats we, and hoes. Boats and hoes. We get crazy. Like That's why sometimes I... The people I work with, we develop very close friendships because what are you going to do for three months but talk to the person that you work with and you get very close to them? So there are lots of theories about this movie. And how long has it been out? I don't want to do any spoilers because I think it's still out in theaters, but we watched it on Amazon Prime. You, it's not free. You have to buy it. And it's also on your... A lot of cable providers have it for like... We five, actually watched it on Verizon. Yeah. It was like $5. It wasn't expensive at all. So, I've heard people talk about it. I said, I've got to watch this. This sounds crazy and, and insane. And it's literally two guys... Yeah, they arrived to take care of a lighthouse. In the late 1890s. So, mind you, it's not electric it's not indoor it's kind of indoor plumbing i think we got we started figuring out towards the end like they ran out of alcohol so they started like drinking yeah they started drinking kerosene (laughs) so just imagine bad weather and i've been on a ship in bad weather so I can... The delays. The delays. Like, Pattinson's character was supposed to get off after four weeks, and then, like, the storm came because... And no ship. No ship to pick up. And the implication was that, you know, there's a lot of um, superstition and all that stuff when it comes to the lighthouse and shipping and all that. So, like, one of the funny things I read about the article was... Pattinson's character developed a rivalry with a seagull <laughs> that didn't end well for the seagull, but uh, ironically, it didn't end well for him either. But this, 
you are never supposed to kill a seabird because they hold the souls of our departed sailors. It's like bad luck, so you start to think maybe that's part of the reason why the storm came. And But both these guys are already fringe lunatics, basically, on the verge of like losing it anyway. And You start learning more about their their past. Dynamic. Yeah, as, as the, the movie goes along. You have Willem Dafoe's character who he portrays himself as an old sea captain and he's got a bad leg and he's telling all these stories and, you know, the younger Robert Pattinson is just, you know, sometimes he's interested, sometimes he's not. It's just mind-blowing. Like, their dynamic together... After they were marooned, after the four weeks, it was kind of like they both, I don't want to say gave up, but they kind of did. They were craving each other's attention because... That's all they had. That's all they had. There are so many theories. Like, I joked with Anubis and said it's almost like Fight Club. Maybe Robert Pattinson is there, but not Willem Dafoe. But there's other theories, too, like maybe Willem Dafoe is the older Robert Pattinson, and Robert Pattinson is there, stuck in, like, a loop, and he'll never leave the island, because remember the part where they were painting the lighthouse, and he fell and broke his leg? And then you think about Willem Dafoe mm -hmm. because he had that bad leg and he's always limping. Yeah, it's like a, a possibility that Pattinson's character is like battling himself, the demons with himself. And ironically... Almost like Shutter Island. Right, well, the, ironically, this film was directed by the same guy who did The Witch. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that was a pretty good flick there and has a lot of like atmosphere and, and eerie scapes and this is similar to that uh, I thought the witch was executed a little bit better but as far as like the overall acting this is top notch work from both of these guys and I was quite impressed everybody thinks of Robert Pattinson from Twilight and then you see him do something like this and you're like he's got some chops yeah this was this was really impressive like he was really too overqualified for Twilight <laughs> <laughs> he was but he's handsome, so that helps. But you, I think the part that just kind of, I don't want to say gets me, but what really drew me into this was as the story goes, like the first four weeks blew by in the movie itself. It's like, okay, I'm leaving tomorrow. They blew by. When they missed, I don't know if they missed their ship or if the ship never came because of bad weather they did not clarify that in the in the yeah because there was a moment they got plastered and they were drunk and then they woke up so they don't know if they actually missed a ship or if as you said they just didn't come because of the weather so it's one of those things where like they don't even know what exactly happened so as soon as that happened they started developing a very close but hateful relationship almost well They're it's pretty resentful i mean defoe's character being the older one he's in charge you know he's 
putting Pattinson's character through the ringer, making him do all the like massive labor chores while he the grunt work. While he basically the deck. runs the the lighthouse itself at the top, so you know you kind of get this feeling like, oh yeah, he's exploiting this guy, this young say uh, this young lighthouse guy, and of course Pattinson's like going nuts just from all the shit that he's got to do, and then he starts and he was Pattinson was obsessed with going up to the top of the lighthouse, but it was locked and o- only. Defoe was allowed up there so it was like his I don't know it was like his golden ticket or something I can get up there and eventually uh, we're not spoiling but eventually he does get up there and he looks into the light and it doesn't happen things happen it doesn't end well I think the craziest thing for me though was the mermaid vagina (laughs) Yeah, there's some crazy images and... And we're not... And the thing is, too, is we're not sure if the mermaid was folklore or if it was schizophrenia or if it was whatever, but Pattinson's character sees a mermaid on some rocks. And there's a mermaid with a giant mermaid vagina. I don't even know what the... Like, it... It was just there. He he just like took advantage of a girl. Well, it's it's all you, once you watch it, you'll kind of see that. Oh, it is so hard it's to piece this together. It's yes. all in and out of like the entire storyline and what you have to try to decipher what's delusion, what's real, and that's part of. The and thing. we're not even sure what's delusion or real because, again, my belief, what my interpretation of this is. Pattinson's character and Defoe's character are the same person. Defoe is older and Pattinson is like, it's the beginning and the end of Pattinson. And then... But the ending just leaves you wondering what that's all about too. So, it, like I said, it's all crazy and it's it's, it's a al- worth it's watch. almost like It's almost like in Pulp Fiction when they open up the case and you're like, what's in the case? Right. Uh, in other news, I uh, recently read that, much like Lethal Weapon 5, they're going to be doing another Pirates of the Caribbean, and uh, only this time, it looks like they're going to use it as like a prequel to the A other major stuff. prequel, like like Young Captain Jack, Jack Star- is like 19 kind right. of prequel. And supposedly rumored is Zac Efron, who's going to be taking over the Jack Sparrow role, but... That makes sense with High School Musical. That's a Disney, uh... Right. And, of course, Emma Watson and, and both Karen Gillan from uh, Jumanji recently are, are talks about also starring opposing Zac Efron there. So, considering uh, Emma has ties to Disney as well, Beauty and the Beast and all that, so it's not too much of a shock that her name would get brought up with that. Certainly worth uh, waiting and checking out how that goes. And, I didn't like. Did they say what Emma's character would be, or no, no? not yet. Too early to tell, but um, interesting nonetheless. I don't know if she's gonna bite. She's been very quiet on the movie front for the most part, so we'll see how that goes. All right, next block of music. Uh, recently, Napalm Death, my uh, favorite band, put out a new EP, two-song EP. Uh, this features this song I'm going to play also that they do a cover of uh, Sonic Youth, uh, White Cross as well on that. 
But this is a new track written by them called Logic, Ravaged by Brute Force.
Patrick from the Canadian Press Metal band Reanimator, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
DJ Newest, DJ Neko, back with you. Getting ready to close this motherfucker out. Close it out, motherfucker. Hope y'all enjoyed the music provided today, as well as the topics we talked a little bit about. Our commentary. Yeah, our great commentary. Because we are giving you what's needed. <laughs> Something what, like that. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I'm tired. I didn't sleep well last night. Oh, so. honeys. But, uh, yeah, as usual, if you have anything you want to add, you feel free to Questions, post. comments. Uh, suggestions. That's always good, too. If you want us to talk about anything in particular, we'll be glad to do that. Got one track left for you. It's uh, Inverloch, Lucid Delirium. We appreciate all you tuning in and checking this shit out. Thank you so much for listening this week. Thank you so much for your support. And... Thank you for the music. Yes. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Peace.